everybody, and thank you so much for listening to Talking Sports with Evan. Today's date is April 14th, 2020. And I want to say thank you for those that have been listening. Thank you for those that are new to the show. And thank you for those that encourage other people to like, subscribe, and review um, Talking Sports with Evan. Um, the Facebook Live um, v- uh, watchers, thank you so much to you as well. As um, for those listening via Spotify or um, Apple iTunes or whichever you're choosing to listen to, Talking Sports with Evan. Um, I do been going live on Facebook when I record. Um, I will do a better job of scheduling it. Um, but still, you know, usually when I decide to record, it's kind of at a spur of the moment um, situation sometimes, which is kind of like what it tonight is, so... The intro music you hear for those listening to the podcast via um, one of the platforms I mentioned is courtesy of Chris Downing and the Over the Edge um, soundtrack for the Over the Edge workout program uh, that Chris Downing uh, created. And it is a great program, and I highly encourage and highly recommend you check it out. And if you are interested, all you got to do is shoot me an email, CoachEvan66 at... uh, CoachEvan66 at gmail.com, and I will get you the information. It is a six-week program, uh, three phases. Each phase is two weeks long, and uh, you will definitely get stronger and feel in great shape by the time you complete the program. Um, also available, if you're interested, if you email me, Beachbody On Demand has a lot of great programs as well, including... Uh, shift shop from Chris Downing and then the program I'm doing now 10 rounds which is a boxing uh, uh, type program that mixes both boxing and then weights together so coachevan66 at gmail.com so now that I got that out of, out of the way um, want to uh, give you an idea of what's on tap in today's show um, so I'm going to focus a lot on NFL draft um, uh, the the Athletic, for example, came out with their mock draft, and I'm going to kind of talk about different uh, players, different um, guys who I would be perfectly okay with the Packers looking at um, in the first round um, at pick number 29. And I'm going to also give my prediction on what I think the Packers will do um, you know, what I think the Packers will do um, with the first-round pick. Packers have 10 picks in the draft. They got one first, one second, one third, two fourths, two fifths, two sixths, and a seventh. So I'm going to give my, my thoughts and opinions on what I think the Packers are going to do. And I'm just going to talk about some general players in the draft who I know some of them the Packers will have no chance in taking, but just some general players in the draft that I'm very high on and I think are going to be very good at the next level. And some guys that, there's just something about them. Um, There's just something about them that I'm not sure about. So, also going to talk to Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers beat the Cubs today, 7-0. They are now 1-3 series in a row after starting out 1-2. They've... Two out of three against the Cubs, two out of three against the Cardinals, and two out of three against the Cubs again. And now they got a three-game set starting Friday, continuing in Milwaukee against the Pittsburgh Pirates. So going to talk about some things that have stood out to me about the team and 
just needing to be patient. Uh, um, the importance of patience. So Corbin Burns, today's starting pitcher, is pretty much the prime example of that. As he has put it up um, last year and the start to this year, numbers that is just completely... Just completely incredible numbers. So, um, so I'm going to talk about that as well. So, with that said, once again, uh, you know, thank you so much for listening. And going to start with the NFL draft. And there, there's a few things that, a few things I want to comment on, Packer related. Um, so, I, I see a lot of, you know, and this is where the NFL draft coverage bugs me, okay? Um, the, the big networks, your NFL network, your ESPNs, your, C, your uh, Sports Illustrated, CN, uh, whatever, CBS Sports, um, Bleacher Report, um, they, all, they all start kind of repeating... And regurgitating the same old tired narrative that they always um, bring up with the Packers. And with uh, not drafting a uh, skilled position player in the first round since Javon Walker. And the only offensive player, uh, non-quarterback, they've taken um, recently is Brian Bulaga. And there's always talk that, is this going to be the year that the Packers finally give Aaron Rodgers some help in the first round. And that is a tired and lazy um, narrative to me. And, and, and here's why. I, I get somewhat the skill position players they have not drafted that great recently. Okay, MVS is starting to live up to the hype. But Jamon Moore was a bust. Um, EQ has struggled to stay healthy. Sternberger struggled to stay healthy. Um, so, yeah, I get it. They, they've, they've struggled a bit with some skilled guys as of late. But you look at who the Packers have drafted basically since they drafted Aaron Rodgers. Greg Jennings. Second round pick out of, uh, I didn't want to say, I believe it was Central Michigan or Western Michigan. One of those two schools. I get them, I get them confused sometimes. Second round pick was a very good wide receiver in Green Bay. Does him going in the first round make him better? No. He he got drafted in the second round and he, he was very good for a, a period of time in Green Bay. Jordy Nelson, 2007, they traded back. Into the first, they traded back into the second round to take Jordy Nelson, second round pick, and he developed into one of the top receivers um, in Packer history um, with the with the numbers that he he was able to put up. Um, sorry, two thousand eight, not two thousand seven. I apologize, but he was able to uh, put up some great numbers with. Uh, what he did, 613 receptions, 8,500 yards, 72 touchdowns. Um, I know some of that was done in uh, Oakland, now Las Vegas, but he uh, he did some really good things um, during his career in Green Bay. James Jones, 
one of Rogers' closest friends. Uh, I want to say third-round pick out of San Jose State. Played extremely good football. Randall Cobb, second-round pick out of Kentucky. One of my biggest draft uh, crushes I've had in a long time. I, I wanted him in Green Bay, and he showed day one why I wanted him in Green Bay when he returned a kickoff for a touchdown against New Orleans Saints on opening night in 2011. And Devontae Adams have put up two of the most successful wide receiver seasons in the NFL the past two years. And he was a second-round pick out of Fresno State. So if they draft somebody in the first round instead of the guys that I mentioned, are they going to be better? Probably not. Um, Is Devontae Adams going to catch even more passes if he was a first-round pick than he has? No. You know, wide receiver is a, is a funny position. A lot of times when you use a first-round pick on a wide receiver, it doesn't work out usually, especially if you go take him in the top 10. Hardly does it ever work out. Um, it usually takes until the final year of their contract. By then, you don't want to pay them, or they, they have such a good final season on, under contract that you can't pay them, or they, uh, they have to go to a new team and they catch on there. There's been a lot of skilled position players the Packers have hit on in the second, third, fourth, fifth round. Aaron Jones, for example. So it's a tired narrative when we talk about not getting Aaron Rodgers' help. Um, And I still stand by this. And I know one friend of mine that, you know, hates that I have this opinion. But if they take a wide receiver or, you know, Patrick Queen... In the first round, are they in the Super Bowl this year? Probably not. You know, you go back a few shows ago, I talked exactly why the Packers did not beat Tampa Bay in the NFC Championship game. It wasn't because they didn't draft a, a, a guy who could contribute day one in the first round. It was that guys who they depended on all season long made mistakes and errors that they never make. Aaron Rodgers missed a wide open um, uh, Devontae Adams in the back of the end zone. Play that he makes 99 times out of 100. Speaking of Devontae Adams, he dropped a for sure touchdown back shoulder pass that he catches 99 times out of 100. Um, Aaron Jones, who hasn't fumbled all season long in the last two years, fumbles twice in the game, losing one. He never fumbles. Alexander missed some tackles in the game. Not, yeah, his coverage was locked shut down, which was good. But he had a big missed tackle um, on uh, Fournette's uh, uh, touchdown in that game. Rodgers, who hit MVS earlier in the game for a 50-yard uh, touchdown catch and run, missed a wide-open MVS that would have went for a touchdown later in the game. And it was one of those drives where they forced Tampa Bay into three straight turnovers. And then your two tackles, who had played solid, in the absence of David Bakhtiari at times this during the year, especially the last uh, week of the season and the playoff first uh, two playoff the first playoff game, they didn't play well. So it, it's very hard to point to a rookie the Packers could have took in the first round that would have been the difference between losing in the NFC Championship game and getting to the Super Bowl. Um. The only, I guess, argument you could have made 
Um, would a the rookie wide receiver you drafted in the first round uh, would he have dropped the two point conversion attempt that EQ dropped? I don't know, but EQ was open. Unfortunately, he he couldn't come up with it. It happens sometimes. So the point I'm trying to make, the argument of the Packers never give Aaron Rodgers any help in the draft is a lazy argument. And you're going to hear it a lot, especially now when there's questions surrounding his future in Green Bay. Um, you're going to hear it a lot, draft season and that. Um, but don't fall for it. Be smarter than that. Look at facts. <laughs> They've drafted a lot of skilled position guys in the second round and beyond that have gone on to have great success um, with the Green Bay Packers. They, you know... Devante doesn't put up even better numbers as a first-round pick. So don't fall, for, don't fall for the lazy narrative, the easy narrative, the easy um, argument to make. Because, yes, they ha- the fact is, yes, they have not drafted a wide receiver in the first round since Javon Walker. But that doesn't make Jordy Nelson or Randall Cobb or Donald Driver um, seventh-round pick. Um, Devontae Adams, James Jones. It doesn't make them any less of a wide receiver because they got drafted um, in the second, third, fourth round. It doesn't make them any less. That, that's just my two cents there. So you also see right now a lot of mock drafts from the, quote, experts, from uh, fans like me um, who are trying to do mock drafts on mocking their people to Green Bay. Biggest advice for those doing a mock draft, look at history, okay? If you if you look at the history with the Packers, uh, and especially since Goot has taken over as general manager, he tends to put a big emphasis on uh, RAS scores, relative athletic score, when he drafts. Rashawn Gary tested out of the world. Um, uh, Savage... Jenkins, Alexander, um, EQ, MVS, Moore, um, these uh, Sternberger. These are all guys that uh, athletically tested above average for their position, and that's something that he tends to focus on. So, you know, don't think, don't mock a guy to Green Bay who didn't test really well. You know, seriously, if you look up RAS scores on anyone you might want the Packers to draft. Look at that, and if they're below average, don't mock them to Green Bay because Goot's not going to take them. That, that's just not how the Packers work. Um, speaking of the draft, the other thing to kind of take into consideration to look at, um, Goot is aggressive when it comes to the first round of the draft especially. He moves around a lot. Um, his first year as general manager, yes, he initially traded back. But he traded, then traded up. You know, he traded back, got an additional first-round pick. And then he traded up to take Alexander. Um, year two, he traded up to take um, Savage. After taking Gary first, he traded up to take Savage. He then traded up to take um, Jordan Love. So Goot is not afraid to trade up in the first round if there's a guy that he really wants that's starting to fall, but he's not sure if they're going to fall all the way to them. Um, guys to keep an eye on in the draft this year, 
um, that that could happen with if they start moving down the board. Because um, here's, here's my prediction. I predict that the Packers will trade up in the first round somewhere between 15 and 20. That is my, my range that I see Goot um, moving in. And it all depends on who's available, who starts falling. So if guys like Jalen Waddell um, from Alabama, if he starts slipping down the board, um, the other Alabama receiver, Devonta Smith, if he starts slipping down the board, uh, Christian Darso, offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech, Rashawn Slater, um, Micah Parsons, um, Caleb Farley, you know, if these guys are guys that start falling down the draft board, don't be surprised, if, or Patrick Sertan the second, a guy I'm very high on in the draft, 6'1 corner out of Alabama, um, Jace Horn, Rashad ba- Bateman, you know, if these guys start slipping, uh, Xavion Collins, if these guys start slipping down the board, and... Uh, Goot wants one of these guys and he doesn't think they're going to make it all the way to 29. Don't be surprised if he makes a move for him. Um, Big D tackle to Alabama um, as well that I've become pretty high on. I think he would be a great addition to the interior offensive line. I'm sorry, interior defensive line of the Green Bay Packers. Um, I just want to make sure I get his name right. Uh, Christian Barmore, 6'5", 310, defensive tackle. Put him next to Kenny Clark, and you all of a sudden have a defensive front that's really good um, if he does become the player that I think he could be. Obviously, none of these guys are slam dunks, but he's a guy I'm very high on. Um, Other guys, if the Packers stay put at 29, Eric Stokes out of Georgia is a possibility if they go corner. Um, That's a guy to keep an eye on. Um, tackle out of North Dakota State, Dylan Raddins. Um, he's a guy to keep an eye on. Landon Dickerson, late first round, tackle, interior offensive lineman, uh, guard uh, center. He can be a guy to keep an eye on. Greg Newsom Jr., the second, 6'1 corner out of Northwestern. Uh, Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State. Um, and the other guy who I could see Goot moving up to try to get because I think he's going to be a um, very special player if he can stay healthy at the next level is safety out of TCU, Tavon Mo, uh, Mo, Mor, uh, Mor, Morig. Um, he's 6'1", 208. He, he could play safety. He could probably play in the slot. He can uh, do quite a bit of everything, and he also allows you to put Savage as that star corner if you take him. Um, Xavier Collins is a guy that I like a lot. Uh, Terrence Marshall Jr., if they go wide receiver in the first round, I like a lot. Uh, Bateman I already mentioned. But um, really, the Alabama receivers, the Alabama D-tackle, Alabama corner, I think you're kind of noticing a theme here. Um, those are guys that if if they start falling into the 15, 16, 17 range, that's where I could see Goop making a move. Because um, those are definitely be guys that could make immediate impacts on this team. Also, don't be surprised if the Packers trade back. 
Um, if, if, if the guy they want to 29 isn't going to be there, don't be surprised if they trade back. That's something that the Packers have done in the past under Ted Thompson. Not, some, not, not, a, not under Goot in the first round, but they've done it with Ted Thompson. When they, when they traded back and ended up taking Kevin King, um, I think Kevin King was the guy they wanted, but they felt that they could accumulate more draft picks and he would still be around when they took him in the second round. That was probably what their thought process was. Let's accumulate more draft capital and let's uh, get our guy later. Did the same thing when they took Eddie Lacy in the second round. They knew he, he was going to be around, so guess what? They traded back. So the latest mock draft I kind of want to evaluate too. Um, the Athletic, as the Packers draft looking like this. In the first round, they take out a Virginia Tech, Caleb Farley. He's a guy that, if healthy, hell yeah. Um, he He's athletic. He um, He's a big bot. He's a... Um, you know, he's a, a big, a bigger corner. He can run, he can tackle, he can cover, but the red flag about him is he just had back surgery. Um, he's six two, one ninety seven 197 from Virginia tech, but he just had back surgery and there's question if he's going to be available, um, first, first week of the NFL season. Do you really want to take that risk? Um, Nick Bolton in the second round at number 62 overall out of Missouri. Um, he's a guy, if they take it number 62, I'm happy. He's a guy, if they take it number 29, I'm not so happy. I, I think he'll be a solid NFL linebacker, and I'm ex- ex- excited to see what he can do with uh, Joe Barry, who, for all the negativity surrounding him as coordinator, he's had really good linebackers when he's been linebackers coach. And his linebacker play in, 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 with the Rams, with Tampa Bay, has been pretty solid. Um, no doubt about that. Um, third round, 92, Dwayne Eckeridge, wide receiver out of Western Michigan. Um, they've had success going that route before. Um, with that school. Um, so let's just do it again. Um, you know, they went the Western Michigan route for Greg Jennings. You know, go with Eckridge, and he's a guy could develop, uh, later in the season as a, a possible target and in the next year. Fourth for their first fourth round pick, Trey Smith, offensive guard from Tennessee. Um their second fourth round pick, uh Addy Agrande Jai, the uh D lineman from Notre Dame. Their fifth round pick, first one, uh Jacob Harris, wide receiver tight end out of US UCF. Uh, I'm not sure if they really need that type of hybrid again. Um with uh, Degara, Sternberger, Tanyan, but we'll see. Um, fifth round, final fifth round pick, Malcolm Kuntz out of Buffalo. That would be a solid pick for depth at the edge, and he'll probably improve your special teams right away. Um, Larnell Coleman, offensive tackle from UMass in the sixth round, which I think is a little late to take an offensive lineman, uh, offensive tackle. I think since you didn't sign anybody in free agency, I think you'd be better off using a first, second, or third round pick on an offensive tackle. That way you can put Turner in at guard when uh, Bakhtiari comes back and put the, the rookie at right tackle and you're, you know, you got your bookend tackles for quite some time now. Um, Lionel Coleman, I mentioned. So Mark Webb, sa- uh, defensive uh, safety from Georgia in the sixth round and then the seventh round. 
Avery Williams, corner from Boise State, who is a special teams uh, gem from what I've heard about him. And you do need to improve your special teams in Green Bay because guess what? The Packers have had one of the worst special team units in the NFL. So as far back as I can remember. So if the Packers were to go that route in the draft, it's not sexy. You know, Farley, Bolton, two guys that can contribute right away if healthy for in Farley's case. And then you have some uh, pieces that could develop into some solid role players, depth pieces, um, guys you could put on special teams. Like I said, it's not sexy, um, but I'm not absolutely against it. I guess I'll put it that way. So that's going to wrap up my NFL draft talk this week. I'm now going to jump um, to, and I wasn't going to talk about it, but I ver- double checked while I'm recording to see what school Greg Jennings went to, which was, you know, Western Michigan. And I see, once again, we're talking about Julian Edelman as a Hall of Famer or not. Well, I'm not going to spend too much time on this. And I'm just going to make it very simple. Okay. Julian Edelman is not an NFL Hall of Famer. He's not. He's, he's just not. He's not an NFL Hall of Famer. I don't care what color you try to pr- try to color it, his playoff stats, you know, playing defensive, being willing to play defensive back, being a special teamer, um, basically being a guy that fought his way onto an NFL roster. Who He could have been a Packer too, by the way. If he would have been undrafted, the Packers would have made a move on him. But anyway, you know, he he's not a Hall of Famer. I'm sorry. He's got eight, uh, 36 career touchdowns, 6,800 career receiving yards, 620 career catches. If you want to talk about potential, you know, if, he's, if he is in fact a Hall of Famer, you know who else is a Hall of Famer? And as much as I love him, I'm willing to say this. Jordy Nelson's a Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, Edelman, um, 620, 6,800, and 36. Jordy Nelson, 613 catches, 8,500 receiving yards, just shy of 8,600, and 72 touchdowns. So Jordy Nelson's not an NFL Hall of Famer. He's a Packer Hall of Famer, but not an NFL Hall of Famer. And Julian Edelman is a New England Patriot Hall of Famer, but he's not an NFL Hall of Famer. And here's the thing. It's okay to say that about your guy. I get the Patriot fans love Edelman. They want to, you know, they think he's better than he actually was. But I'm sorry. He's just not a Hall of Famer. Um, If he gets into the Hall of Fame, you're pretty much devaluing the Hall of Fame altogether. Um, He was very good for a stretch of game, a stretch of seasons there out of the slot position, but he is not a Hall of Famer. That, that's just my two cents there. I'm going to leave it at that. Um, the NFL, um, they outlined rules for the offseason program um, with only mini camp being mandatory. So the part of the offseason program that are voluntary under the CBA, um, uh, Everything but the annual mandatory June minicamp will remain so, but while the NFL 
PA wanted the entire offseason to be conducted virtually in light of the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. The league is telling teams that on-field work will be permitted. So the not the phase one of the offseason program, which reflects what the players requested from April 19th to May 14th, all meetings will be conducted virtually with no on-field work will be permitted. Phase two from May 17th to May 21st remain voluntary and meetings will remain virtual but on-field drills will be permitted under normal phase two guidelines to prohibit contact and limit the amount of time spent on the field per day. Annual post-draft working mini camps would be held in the week of phase two. Phase three, traditional phase three that runs May 24th through June 18th and will include the normal 10 days of voluntary OTA workouts as well as the mandatory mini camps. Meetings during this phase will be allowed to be conducted virtually or in person and applying the COVID rules about testing, contact tracing, and limits on numbers of people allowed in various parts of the team facility. So the the NFL and the NFLPA kind of, it sounds like, came to a, they're kind of, they're taking, you know, the NFL is taking what the the NFLPA wanted and also making it what they wanted. They're doing both. They're allowing virtual for phase one but in person for phase two and phase three, which is fine. And I want in person, and I know some of the players may not, um, but the thing is, so Jordan Love, use him as an example. Jordan Love had a lost year. Um, no offseason OTAs, no mini camps, no rookie camps. He got drafted and then didn't step foot until on the football field working with the Packers until training camp. Um, that's a lot of lost time and you draft Jordan love with the potential and wanting him to potentially be your number one quarterback in a couple years. When you decide to move on from Aaron, he needs all the reps he can get. And if you're going to have him do another season of not doing any on field work with the team until training camp again, you're pushing him back even further. Um, the young guys, the rookies, they need, all these reps to get accustomed to get accumulated to the NFL. And if you would do everything virtual until training camp, you would be hurting a lot of the young guys. And I'm sure the veterans are fine with that because their positions are going to be safe. Um, but if they get hurt, if they get injured, if they're not producing and you got to go to a rookie, you want the rookies to be ready. And if you did everything virtual, it'll be hard for the rookies to be ready uh, and the young, you know, first, second year guys to be ready right away. So I'm okay with what the NFL is doing with their offseason programming. NCAA, um, another thing I wanted to touch on, they are changing their transfer rules. And this is something that I was banging the drum on a lot. Um, they are going to allow players to transfer once without sitting out. And that's what I've been banging the drum on repeatedly for years. You go back and listen to archived episodes of the Red Light Sports uh, the Red Light Sports Network, the Red Light Sports uh, Ramble. Um, I was a lot of those shows when we talked transfer pieces of the NCAA, the player should get one mulligan. One. You know, a co- you, you go to a school because the coach is there and the coach leaves after first year, like, peace out, I'm gone. Um, you should be allowed to transfer out and not have to sit out unless, and here's what I would have it. If you go to the same school the coach went to, then you have to sit out. Um, but if you go, or if you go to a conference school, then you may have to sit out. 
But if I go to Virginia for some reason to play basketball, um, and I say for some reason because I'm not a basketball player, or if I go to Virginia for some reason to play football, and I decide that I want to be closer to home and I want to transfer to Wisconsin, I should be allowed to do that. I shouldn't have to sit out a year and lose a year of eligibility potentially um, in order to move on. Like I said, now if the coach that recruited me to Virginia leaves to go to Wisconsin and I want to follow that coach, then I have to sit out a year. But, you know, these kids make they make mistakes. They you know, they they thought this is the school for them and they realized it wasn't. That they made a mistake and why should we punish them if they feel they made a mistake? So I'm perfectly fine. I'm perfectly happy that the NCAA after the disastrous uh issues with the women's basketball tournament um early on and now the volleyball tournament um some you know concerns and issues with that they're finally starting to use their brain a little bit um for men's basketball and football players get a basically a mulligan if they decide they want to transfer um they don't have to sit out and then finally milwaukee brewers won again um they beat the cubs today seven nothing um Allowed four hits in the game. Corbin Burns lights out once again. Um, he has just been on fire. He has 30 strikeouts and zero walks through his three starts. Something a pitcher has not done since 1906. He's not had a walk yet this season. Woody has pitched really well. Freddie Peralta's pitched really well. Um, Hauser... And Anderson pitched much better their second turn through the rotation. Um, you know, this is a Brewer team that, as long as they stay healthy, and I know they've had some injuries. Locaine is on the IL. Colton Wong's on the IL. Yelich uh, uh, has missed the last three games with a back issue. Um, so I get they've had some injuries here and there, but for the most part, if they stay healthy, especially with their pitching staff, and Devin Williams finds his uh, magic from last year, the, the Brewers have the potential to be a very special pitching staff, a very special team. That's why this what you're seeing in uh, their their start, um, seven and five start. What you're seeing is why I'm high on this team. Um, that's part of the reason why they're pitching. And as much as we all wanted to fire Andy Haynes after the first three, four, five games of the season. Guess what? Since we all wanted to fire Andy Haynes, Andy Haynes, the offense has been performing much better. They're 6-4 and four over the last 10. Uh, they're tied with the Reds for first in the division, which I know doesn't mean much at this point of the year, but just bear with me. Um, they have the, the third best record in the National League. Dodgers 9-2, and two, Giants and Padres 8-4, and four, and they're tied with the uh, Reds at 7-5. and five. The Brewers have a team that can be pre pretty dangerous when you have a pitching staff that's not allowing runs and you have an offense that's starting to come alive. That's a, that's a dangerous recipe for other teams. And even when they scored two runs against the Cubs yesterday, they had, to me, productive at-bats. They're working the count. They're not striking out as much during these stretch of games. Um, like I said, they're working the count, and... They're making opposing pitchers work. Unfortunately for the Brewers, they had a couple unlucky situations where they hit the ball right at guys. So Brewers high on 
and excited to see what they do in the next series against Pittsburgh, a three-game set at home against Pittsburgh, and then they go on the road against San Diego starting Monday, the 19th. They end the week um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday once again against the Cubs and then play the Miami Marlins for three games back at home. So then the Dodgers at home for four games. So the Brewers have a, a chance here to build up some wins with the Cubs, uh, the Pirates, the Marlins, the Cubs again, um, the Phillies. They have a chance to build up some wins, and if they can, you know, split with the Dodgers, if they can, you know, take two out of three against the Padres, they can stack up some wins early and uh, build some ground between them and the rest of the division, um, assuming the Reds cool off at some point. So with that said, thank you so much for listening to Talking Sports with Evan. I appreciate you spending some time here with me. Like the show, share it on Facebook, share it on Twitter, review the show. And uh, if you feel you want to talk to me, comment on something I said, it didn't say, something you agree with, don't agree with, you can email me, talkingsportswithevan at gmail.com. You can also tweet at me at Evan with Sports, or you can find me on Facebook, um, Talking Sports with Evan. And one thing I do plan on doing, night of the NFL draft, I will let you guys know, and I know for sure that for the first round, is I will be live streaming um, my reactions pick by pick, giving you my instant reaction, my instant feedback um, with what teams do in the in the first round. So thank you so much, and I'll get back at you next week. This has been Talking Sports with Evan.